I'm Brian Hu. I'm Ada Singh. And welcome to Saturday School. When your friends are watching Saturday morning cartoons, you're being forced to learn Asian American pop culture history. Welcome back to Saturday School. This is our eighth episode. <laughs> we made it to episode eight. This week, we're talking about a movie called Catfish in Black Bean Sauce, which was directed by Chi Moy Lo in 1999. And you, Brian, just showed this film recently at a, was that a festival? We played it last year at our Spring Showcase in San Diego. So we did a retrospective of films directed by Vietnamese Americans. And in my research on the topic, I came across... A film that, like, I know I've seen this video cover before, like on VHS or DVD back in the day. Catfish and Black Bean Sauce was sort of the rare comedy in a field of Vietnamese-American directed films that tend to be about tragedy and being refugees and war. And this one kind of is that too, but it takes a rather unusual comedic twist to it. When I was talking to you about it yesterday, I was like, I think this is a comedy melodrama. Yeah. They reel you in with the laughs and the silliness, and then suddenly in the, in the movie, you're like, why am I crying? <laughs> why am I crying? <laughs> I, I, I'm very, very glad you cried. <laughs> oh my gosh. Tell us what it's about. Okay, so Catfish and Black Bean Sauce is about two Vietnamese Americans who were, as children, refugees from the Vietnam War. They were adopted by a guy who was working at the adoption center and his wife, and they're both black. I'm Dolores. This is my husband, Harold. Mama! So we have two Vietnamese kids being adopted into a black family. Obvious kinds of cross-cultural comedy ensue. You're supposed to take care of our owner. She out there taking in Oriental, too. <clears throat> and then one day, they discover that their birth mother is still alive and that she's coming from Vietnam. And, and you can imagine how that plays out melodramatically. I did it. I found Ma. She'll be here in a week. So elements of kind of ridiculous cross-cultural comedy with like really deep-seated fears about issues of refugees, of adoption. But also there's the elements of the imagination and fantastical, like when the main character, who's played by the writer-director, he's dating a girl played by Sanaa Lathan. This was prior to Love and Basketball and Brown Sugar, the classic films of the early 2000s. Um, I love her, so I was kind of excited to see her in this movie. No, dude, I mean, <laughs> you in 1999 her. when this came out, like I didn't know who Sanaa Lathan was, but now that I know who she is, to me, this will always be the movie. Beyond having the kitschy title and it being about Vietnamese kids adopted into a black family, it is the movie about the Asian guy who's going out, Sanaa Lathan. <laughs> But anyways, yeah. <laughs> a little detour. One of the elements is that he's a little bit insecure because everyone's telling him that she's too good for him. So, you know, for example, he gets stopped by a black cop who doesn't quite believe that she's his girlfriend. <laughs> and then he kind of imagines her running off with him. But those moments of insecurity, whether he's worrying about his girlfriend, worrying about what his birth mother is going to be like, it's a little bit like Ally McBealish. It's like a dream sequency thing and then he pops back into reality. The comedy in this movie is is so wacky. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, this is a movie that begins with a joke about cat rape yeah. and, <laughs> no, and proceeds like to that. later have these fantasy sequences you're talking about, as well as a talking cat, as well as the side plot about how his roommate is going out with a transgender person and 
it's almost like Chimoy Lo just had all these ideas for comedy that he's been storing for years. And threw it and all finally, together. when he has a chance to make a feature, he just throws them all together. I think the trans subplot is the only part. It feels kind of dated. Like, this might be kind of problematic now. It is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but I think the rest of it holds up. I don't know if you want to say anything else about comedy, but the second thing that struck me about this movie that isn't comedy related. It's just how intricate, how deep and multi-layered every single relationship in that family is. You're absolutely right. I'm glad you mentioned that because it's like every permutation of relationships. So it's like son and father, son and mother, son and sister, son and girlfriend. They're all fleshed out in very unique ways. Yeah, and I feel like that was so impressive. I I mean, that's writing, right? That's writing and acting. I don't know. It, it felt like a play in some ways in the sense of, you know, how the actors were really given the opportunity to play with these really complex emotions in a very short amount of time because it's such a big ensemble cast. It's not like they all had the entire movie to develop it, but somehow just in these like short moments, the buildup to the melodrama was so effective, <laughs> you know, in the midst of all these hijinks. It's like in spite of the hijinks, because so often the film feels pressured to do a punchline, and sometimes it's very clunky, yet they're still able to deliver on all those complex emotional connections that you're talking about. Yeah. But I, I kind of wanted to go back to when, when they meet Q Chin, the, the birth mother. Mm-hmm. Like, that airport scene is so insane. <laughs> So for our listeners, their birth mother, who they haven't seen in decades, has arrived in the U.S. And it's going to be this conflicted but powerful emotional moment. And he t- plays it completely for laughs. They mistakenly like grab the wrong Asian woman in the airport. <laughs> but like yeah. he's constantly trying to not give us the emotional payoff for some reason. As a viewer, you're always kind of on your toes because you're not sure what's real and what's kind of this silly fantasy. But at the same time... Like after he shows the silly fantasy, when he shows the moment that's real, it's also just as ridiculous <laughs> in a different way. So you're like, wait, is this actually yeah, what's happening? You're right. Yeah. <laughs> when Kyushin finally arrives, it's like she's totally hams it up. And it's great. And it's like it's still such an extreme scene. And we've been set up for extreme moments like this. He also sets us up for disappointment. Like maybe she's not actually the mother or something. So when it finally happens, it's like this weird conflicted sense of, so is this it? Is It feels very strange. And that's probably what he was trying to convey. Yeah, about. it's perfect because everybody has a different feeling going into this. This yeah. is a great use of comedy to like show the complexity. And then we just have like good people in this movie. That's one thing going back that's really fun. There's just so many people that you've seen over the years. I watched it with my husband and he recognized Chimoy Lo from Vanishing Sun. I don't know if you ever watched that. I didn't, but yeah, he was kind of a big TV guy. And then Lauren Tom from Joy Luck Club and... Ross's girlfriend on Friends. <laughs> the actors who play the adoptive parents, Mary Alice and the great Paul Winfield, are really good. And then Tai Ma, who makes every movie better as his sister's husband. And, and then the Chimoy Lo's roommate, who I swore was Jonathan Reese Myers. That's what I thought too. I had to look him up. But his name is Tyler Christopher. He's a yeah. general hospital guy. I thought it was too. I was like, is that Jonathan <laughs> Reese Myers? Uh, yeah. yeah. When you were watching this, or when you finished watching this, were you surprised that he never made a second film? Um... No, because a lot of Asian American directors in this era just never made their second films. Yeah. This movie, I think it probably did okay. I think it won an award at, at a film festival. It got distribution because I remember reading a Wesley Morris review of it. What did he think of it? I mean, that was kind of, <laughs> kind of silly. I was looking at the I reviews. Know. I feel like the reviews are very mixed. And understandably so. The movie is very clunky, but it's just, I think looking at it in the context of Asian American cinema and Asian American comedy, 
it's really special. I mean, there's nothing quite like it, and and it's and it's effective. I think. Yeah, I don't know if I had a different context going into it because I'm looking back at it 15 years later, but I was really impressed by it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was. It's probably a low budget film, right? Yeah, no, totally. And the thing is, it's just so vast. You know, like just the ambition behind it. It's very, very ambitious. But it's almost like he made his first, second, and third features all in one feature. Yeah, but I mean, that's just kind of your typical. Crazy melodrama, right?、Um, and also, from what I've read, this was kind of a personal movie for him. I mean, he's from Vietnam, and he's claimed that like he grew up in Philadelphia, so he quote unquote feels like he's raised by black people. <laughs> so it's, it's I think it's one of those cases where a lot of independent filmmakers, their first film is so personal, and they made it because they kind of have to make it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's easier to look back on it like 17 years later, and then just feel like. It is a relic of its time, so there yeah, are things that we forgive.、Yeah. If I sat down and had to think about, like, should I recommend somebody watch it on opening weekend? It, that's a weird thing to have to do with this movie now. It's、it、like、is. this or watch like Magnolia <laughs> by Paul Thomas Anderson <laughs> in the art house right now in 1999. But、yeah. in hindsight, it's, it's really easy to recommend it just so people know that this happened. But like he was, he was really young. I don't know. Okay, Wikipedia could be wrong, but if it's not wrong, like he's only 39 now. So he made it in his early twenties. It came out when he was twenty-three. He must have made it when he was twenty-one, twenty-two. Wow. I don't know if that's right. It almost seems like it can't be right. All right, Chimoylo, you have to write in and, and let us know how. Yeah. So if you think about that, like if this was made by a twenty-two-year-old, I think okay, he that, should have made、impressive. another movie. Unless that was like the only movie he wanted to make, which is possible too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like if I were ever a filmmaker, that's the type of creative person I would be. I'd be like one, one shot, one movie, put everything in it. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what, like, whether the African American community came out for this. So this is interesting because I was thinking about this film in the context of other black films that were kind of Asian. Like、um, so, the year before Catfish and Black Bean Sauce is also Rush Hour. Interesting.、So、yeah, so it's a mainstream movie directed by Brett Ratner, but it's very much like Jackie Chan is there basically to beat people up and to be a punchline. But that was a huge hit, and and maybe that's the kind of black Asian pairings that made sense at that time. So Catfish and Black Bean Sauce is very very much about what are the Asian Americans in this kind of encounter thinking. So maybe it just felt strange at the time, like like it wasn't paying off on a lot of the things that made Black Asian pairings fun or entertaining. I could see like American audiences. <laughs> it's kind of like how American audiences don't know what to do with Bollywood or just Asian melodrama sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you kind of just have to accept that this is a crazy construction. It's very melodramatic, so you gotta kind of be in for that ride. The comment about the tears in the beginning was not an exaggeration. <laughs> It was like this. Oh my gosh! Like the scene in the in the adoption office、yeah. when the it's like a flashback. So the older sister is like fighting to stay with her brother. Like I'm not gonna leave my brother. Like I'll I'll work. Like even though she's only ten, I'll I'll work. Like give me two more months, we'll fight. Oh my gosh! <laughs> the other thing that really got to me was the dynamic between. The sister and the adoptive mom and the birth mom, because like she's always had a strained relationship with her adoptive mom, who's really jealous of the birth mom. But like the birth mom, I mean, it's not like she's a terrible person, but she definitely favors her son, and you know, she doesn't really care that much about her daughter, who's the one that like brought her here. And there's that moment where、um, Taima, in the midst of all these comedy gems he's giving us. He finally blows up and gets frustrated. Like, why do you keep trying? And then I think the line is, "You spent all this time looking for your mother. You found her. It's time to stop looking." Because it's like you're looking for something that's not there. You're looking for this motherly bond that's not there. And then that finally gets her to realize how much her adoptive mother had done for her. You know what I mean? That kind of 
heals that relationship to a certain degree. And because Catfish and Black Bean Sauce is that type of movie, it ends with this like brawl between the two, this physical like oh girl God. fight between the two. Oh, 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 so I mean, I'm not saying this is like necessarily a great interpretation of reality, but I feel like the performances really hold it together. These actors get to play so many different modes, like very quite emotional and then the hysterical. So there's one other thing that I had thought about. I've never seen this movie from 1997 called Faking the Funk. What is that? It's a Dante Bosco movie. Oh. He plays a Chinese kid who gets adopted by black parents in South Central. Wow. And Margaret Cho's in it. It has a Asian-American director. Pam Greer's in it. Ernie Hudson from Ghostbusters is what? in it. <laughs> and his love interest is Tatiana Ali. Yes. <laughs> so this is all real. I just wanted to bring that up. Anyway, I've never seen this movie. Okay, that'll be the extra credit. Watch that movie. Yes. Let us know what you yeah. think. Since we haven't seen it, you get an A if you watch it. And then, <laughs> and then make a copy and give it to us because we want to see it too. Write an essay and tell us what you think. Yeah, which we may or may not read. <laughs> it's like episode eight. <laughs> we don't care anymore. <laughs> episode one, we are so like celebratory Discipline. and disciplined yeah. and diplomatic. That's how teaching actually works. Like the first two or three sessions, you're on script. Oh, By yeah? the end, you're, you're just like waiting for the semester to end. <laughs> on that note, <laughs> that's our episode. Saturday School is a proud member of Potluck, a collective of podcasts that features stories and voices from the Asian American community. It's produced by me and Brian. Our logo is by Grace Talis Lee. Our theme song is courtesy of Rimsky Music and Premium Beat. We have a Tiny Letter newsletter that you can sign up for to get lecture notes. Tinyletter.com slash Saturday School Podcast. Or you can tweet us. I'm at Ada Singh, A-D-A-T-S-E-N-G, and Brian's at Who's Brian, H-U-S-B-R-I-A-N. Next week, your assignment is to watch another 1999 film, Chutney Popcorn. Class dismissed. That's something to look forward to.